The Beaux-Arts Photography Podcast with Alan and Natalie Brio. Today, we are going to talk about the 2018 rendezvous, which we just completed. Yes, it was in Chinle, Arizona. And it was a big success. It was. It was. And it was fun. So what we're going to talk about is basically what is the rendezvous. We can start with that. And then we'll talk about exactly what happened and how it worked. So the rendezvous is a reunion. That's what rendezvous means in French. It means uh, an appointment, technically. But uh, in this context, it means a reunion of alumni students, that is, past students. Students who have attended one or, in some instances, several other workshops from us and who are coming back to present their work. Yes. And get together with us and with the other participants. And we had a total of uh, how many this year? 15 people. 15 students and then us, so 17 total. Yes. And it took place in Chinle, Arizona, which is basically Canyon de Chez, at the Holiday Inn, right? Yes, at the Holiday Inn. And uh, we had a room reserved, a conference room reserved for us. And we met there every day. And uh, students presented their work. They had uh, about half an hour to present their work. Yeah, everyone had 30 minutes, and we did it every morning from like 9 to noon. Yeah, so how many was it? Five people every day? Yes, it was. Yeah. So three days, five alumni every day, 30 minutes. And um, we had also discussions, and then we had the print exchange. Yes, and we decided to do the print exchange on the second day after the presentation. So About halfway through the rendezvous. Yes, and that worked very well. And the print exchange was students bringing 15 prints, well, actually 17 prints, counting us. We brought prints as well, and all of us exchanged prints. So at the end of the exchange, we all had 17 prints, but they were all different. Yes. So we started with 17 prints of the same image, which we decided on. And then at the end of the exchange, we had 17 different prints, one from everybody. And also, those that were giving prints had a set for themselves as well. Because right. technically, they needed 16, but I wanted everybody to have a print of their stuff in with the work that they collected as well. Right. Yeah, we need to keep one of our own prints to remember what we did. You know, exactly. it's part of the collection. Yeah. And so that worked very, very well between the presentation, the print exchange, and then the third component was field work. And during the field work, we went to some very little known areas in the Canyon de area. Yes. And we photographed in the afternoons and until sunset. And then some mornings, not every morning, we did photograph sunrise along Canyon de Chez. And we explored the Chinle area. Oh, yes. Which is uh, quite extensive. Well, and we broke it up into several sections. That's right. Like one day we went to the eastern side of Canyon de Chez, or actually Chinle, not Canyon de Chez, but the east side of Chinle. Then we went to the south side, and then the third day we went to the western side. Right? Yes, yeah. and it was really nice because we arranged it so that we would do loop roads back into Chinle each time so we didn't have to backtrack. Right, we did a loop from Chinle to Chinle, 
going uh, into a lot of dirt roads. I oh, mean, most yes. of the time we were driving on dirt roads. We were. Sometimes and they were a maze of dirt roads, yeah. but we found them. Some better than others. <laughs> yes. Oh, yes. Some of them we had to straddle these big rocks in the dirt road, and they had to put their tires on either side and straddle and not fall in this little ditch. And Oh, yes. And then another one, we went down to a sandstone uh, wall into the bottom of Windy Valley, down this... It was a sandstone road. A sandstone road, yeah. That is a road that was on the sandstone where there's no real road. It's just driving on the flat sandstone. Oh, yes. And it's not yes. dangerous, but it's very impressive and it's very interesting. I mean, I don't know of any other road like that. I've never seen a road like that. It goes across sandstone and drops into a canyon. That was fun. Yeah. But it's practical. I mean, you know... It is, and then we ended up going back up that way because a uh, Navajo woman told me that the road was real, the dirt road was really bad further down. So we decided to go back up that sandstone road on the way back. Yeah, so in that case, we did not really make it a loop. We went one way, turned around, and went back the same way. Yeah. <laughs> so it's a loop if you want, but using the same way on both directions. Yeah, we yeah. were planning on doing it as a loop road. Yeah, you have to improvise. I mean, it's adventure. And I think that's what's exciting to the participant, the fact that there's no exact preconceived plan. Oh, yes. And when the Navajos tell you that the dirt road is really bad, it is really bad. If it's bad for them, it's just definitely bad for us. I did not want to check it out. I didn't want to see what would happen. No, (laughs) I didn't either. (laughs) Because the the road up to there was already pretty rough, so... If she says it's actually really, really rough, it's probably almost impossible. Oh, yes. And then when she told me, you know, look for all the little roads that go to the right, I was like, what? Yeah. I think I'll avoid that. Find an escape route. That's what she was saying. Yeah, Yeah. Yeah. exactly. So that was really exciting. I mean, and I think between all three parts, you know, the print exchange, the print presentation, and then the field work, that was a very exciting program and uh, quite tiring for the participants. I mean, a lot of them, I think... uh, really had their hands full. Well, they did. And they spent a lot of time preparing for their presentations. Right. And we only had one person that went over. Everybody else was pretty much at 30 minutes. Yeah, it was and, very uh, impressive how well they prepared for the presentations. Yes. They did really a lot of work. They had an artist statement. They talked about... Uh, their path uh, through photography, their personal journey in photography. Oh, oh, yes. Some wanted us to see the beginning and then to where they were at right now. Yeah, they they wanted wanted to compare where they started to where they are now. And a lot of them had uh, some of the very first prints that we made, some of the first photographs that we took on workshops, and then some of the most recent. And it was really interesting because most of them, the very first workshop with us was Antelope Canyon. Yeah, for, for a lot many of them. Of them. Yeah. Yeah. A lot of people start with Antelope Canyon. They do. Because it's really exciting. It's something that's on their bucket list. It's something that they have always wanted to photograph, and they start there. But that's not the end, you know, and I think uh, that's one of the major difference between uh, the rendezvous and Antelope Canyon. Antelope Canyon, we have a lot of participants for whom it's a one-off. We don't see them again. Right. But then uh, some of them realize that you can't learn everything that I know in five days. You can't become a real good uh, fine art landscape photographer in five days, which is the length of the Antelope Canyon workshop. It takes more than that. Yes. And so for those who have come back, they actually saw the 
interest in the rendezvous, you know, which is, in a sense, talking about their progression. Oh, yes. And some of them had stopped photographing and haven't really been photographing for the last four years or more. And this rendezvous brought them back in, and they were saying how the rendezvous inspired them again and how they were going to work on a project right after the rendezvous and how that they were very appreciative of everybody sharing their experiences and their work. And it was a very touching event. Yeah, we had different types of students. We had some that had been studying with us regularly all the way to this spring, actually. Some of them we had seen just a couple of months ago or even a a couple of weeks ago. Right. And then some of them we had not seen, like you said, for three or four years. Oh, yeah. It had been quite a while. And some of them had stopped photographing because they've been so busy with work. With life. Yeah, with life. Life happens. And we could see as they presented their work, the gears sort of spinning in their head and uh, the realization that they had to go back uh, into it and uh, push their work further. Right. Well, they made that decision to do so. They made that decision sort of as we spoke, you know. They they did. Some of them did right there and then. Others uh, presented uh, projects that they had completed Some presented projects that they were working on and are still working on. And if they didn't have a project to present, then I had a list of things that they could do for the presentation, and I recommended bringing 10 to 12 prints if they didn't have a project to present, and it went very well. Yeah, you had a very good list of items that we could talk about, and some of them went literally down that list, Going one, two, three, four, five. Oh, they using, answered the questions. Yeah, using every item on the list and answering uh, the question. Some of them uh, did not. But uh, the good thing about that list is that it provided a framework, something that we could use to get started. And then whether they followed it or not did not really matter, but at least they had something to get going. Because 30 minutes is a long time to talk. It is. And we brought easels with a light on top to display their work, and all of them used the easel. They really wanted to show their work on the easel under some light because uh, it it really was important for them. I think they're very proud of their work. And when you're proud of your work, you want to display it in the best possible condition. Yes. And uh, the presentations, they were fun and they were very good. They talked about all of the things that they did to change their image from reality right. or documentation well i did this and i did this and i brought this in and i and so that was fun too yeah and that's good news because we don't want documentation we want fine art and fine art is a transformation of reality or change if you don't change anything then uh, you're not really doing art you're doing documentation you're showing things as they are and all of them were doing transformations all of them were doing things to their photograph in one way or another yes they were and they uh some of them talked about where they see themselves in a couple of years, mm. and it was very personal. Right. I think for a lot of them, it was a life-changing event. I think so. And I think we want it to be a life-changing event because it's an opportunity to sort of uh, come to a conclusion about what you have done so far, come to a sort of uh, account of your journey in photography so far, and when you do that, and you have five days to just focus on that, it can be life-changing. Because for a lot of them, they don't really have time to stop and pause and think about what they have done so far. 
Right. They are too busy with life, with their work, their family, and all their responsibilities. And so the rendezvous gives them a sort of a window during which they can just think about their work, compare it to the work of other students, and get inspired, yes. and also get ideas, and see where the others are going, and probably compare themselves to them, and see that maybe they need to go further than they have gone so far. Yes, or just don't hesitate to try something new, to not be afraid, to just like go for it. Right, not feel like you can't do it. Well, they were in a very uh, supportive environment where they can take a chance and nobody's going to bash them for it. Yeah, one anything. of them told me that he did not feel inhibited. He says, I have no inhibitions, which is great because that means they are not afraid to try things, to do things that are different. They are not afraid of criticism. They are not afraid of what other people are going to say. They are just doing their own thing. Right. In art, the less fear you have, the better the art is because uh, we're all concerned with what other people are going to think, and eventually that stops us. You know? Fear of criticism is the number one reason why artists uh, stop creating. Yes, and this is or why... We'll never get started. Right, <laughs> you know? and this is why we wanted to do the very first rendezvous in Navajo land. In Chinle. In Chinle, because it provides that type of environment where you're not being judged, and some of them turned off their work phones and just submerged themselves into the landscape. And they told me, I just want to listen to the landscape. You to know? the silence. Yes, to the silence. That's exactly what... And one of them called it quietude. Quietude, yeah. Right. That's a very good word. Yes, it is a yeah. very good word. Because it means that it's an event. Yes. Before you know, he started yeah. photographing, that's what he because wanted to do. Because solitude is being alone... But quietude is having no sound other than your own. Yes. And so it's very interesting. And silence is something that is becoming harder and harder to find because there's more and more noise in our society. There's more and more machines, and machines make noise, you know. Yes. Everything we do has a machine involved in it, and they all make noise, you know. And to be in a place where there's no sound except natural sounds, except the birds and the wind and the leaves and your own footsteps is becoming very rare. It is. And that in itself is enlightening and perhaps life-changing as well because it means that it's the kind of places that allow inspiration in a mm -hmm. way. And for some of those really remote locations that we went to, they were so happy when the Navajos were just waving to them, and I was just like, just wave. You if you know? don't know what to do, wave. Yes, you can never go exactly. wrong waving. Exactly, and yeah. uh, many of them they were probably very surprised to see 17 photographers out in the middle of nowhere on some yeah. of these locations. But they would just smile and wave, and they're hauling water. And one of them had a horse trailer. He must have had 10 to 12 horses in there. They're just going on their regular life, you know, and we're out there in that grand landscape photographing, and it was beautiful. They do their thing, and we yeah. do our thing, and we don't really conflict with one another. And we were yeah. very, we made sure that we were respectful in the way that we parked and followed each other and walked. We would avoid walking on plants and certain things. 
Not getting too close to the houses, to the hogans, yeah. Not getting close to any of the it's personal properties. It's not a free properties. for all. I mean, after all, yes. we are guests on their land, and it's not a free for all. And we have all, to be respectful. Right, but also giving us enough distance from the cattle and right. the sheep, because I told them the one thing that they're worried about are their animals. So we need to make sure we walk around and give enough distance, because we don't want to bother the animals either. Right. The animals are important. I mean, that's their livelihood. Yes. Either sheep or goats or cows or horses. Those are the main animals that they have, and that's their livelihood. They raise them and they care for them, and uh, most of their lives, you know, are spent getting hay or getting water or taking care of wounds or health uh, issues. Oh, yeah, <laughs> <You know? laughs> everything. Yeah, it, they are farmers. I mean, yeah. they are ranchers and farmers. And I think they realized how important the trading post is in some of these very remote areas mm. where the only thing that's there is a little trading post with some groceries. There's a post office inside. The great thing about the post office in Luca Chukai, remember? The names. He wrote down the names of all of the Navajos that had packages, right. you know, their names, he hand wrote their names to let them know that they had a package. You yeah, know? you walk into the post office and you see your name up there and that means you have a package. Yeah, or a family member walks in yeah. and sees, you know, yeah. their relative's name and tells yeah. them, hey, you got a package. You got to go down to yeah. the trading post and pick it up, you know. <laughs> it doesn't get more school than that. It does not. <laughs> Do you have a package? Well, is your name up there? Uh, that was yeah. at the bottom of Buffalo Pass. And then I remember an elder told me, you know, if you guys are going to Shiprock, you better get over that Buffalo Pass before it gets dark. Remember? Yeah. He's yeah. like, you you need to get on the other side before it gets dark. He was worried about us. He was. He, he thought, you know, we are going to go up there and it's going to get dark and it's twisty and, and steep. Turny and turny and the yeah. road. And... and you told him, you said, well, it's okay, there's no snow. Right. And he said that there was snow on the north side under the trees. Yeah, he said there's but, still a little bit of yeah, snow there. Yeah. yeah. I mean, they, it's interesting because we're concerned with things that are very down to earth you know, road conditions, we tend to launch into a journey and not really think about all oh. of that. And they play it safe, actually, oh, because they, they realize that there is a risk. If you break down on top of the mountain, it's cold and there's nobody up there. Right. And so they don't want you to start too late because that means if you have a problem, somebody can stop by. But if it's too late, nobody's going to drive at night. Right. Yeah. But we did not go over the pass. So no, we, we didn't. Not this yeah. time, but yeah. we did on another yeah. very little known workshop. So do you want to talk about the print exchange and how that sure. went and the size of the prints? And Yeah, why don't you tell us about it? Well, I was really impressed with the prints that everybody gave to one another, mainly because they all chose to give a large print printed on 13 by 19 paper because they did have a choice of uh, the size of papers because th some of them were traveling from quite far. They could do 8 by 10 and all the way up to 11, well, 13 by, by 19. Yeah, 13 by 19. We decided not to make uh, any bigger than that because we did not want rolled prints. Right. That would be very difficult to travel with. And a lot of them brought those 13 by 19 boxes that the paper comes into. So they put their collection in those boxes, mm, right. you know, when we did the print And exchange. all of them had made their own prints. I don't yes. think we had any lab prints. No, no, Nobody no. Nobody sent no. out for 
they are work to be printed, which is a major difference from uh, beginning workshops because on beginning workshops we have a lot of people that send their prints out and get them printed by, you know, Bay Photo in California or some oh, lab yes. somewhere. And they always look at me and say, I did you a favor. You know, I made some prints. And I have to tell them that, no, maybe they think they did me a favor, but they really did themselves a favor. And they would do themselves an even bigger favor if they made their own prints. Yes, and one of the participants in the rendezvous this year, he said that he had been discouraged about printing. He had an HP printer that was giving him muddy colors. And he said, you know, it was probably me that didn't know what I was doing. And so he had been discouraged from making prints. And he said the rendezvous, he had to have prints. So he went out and he bought a Canon Mm -hmm. printer and he loves his prints and he loves printing now. And he said, you know, I think it was just... um, him. Yeah, he said it was operator error. Operator error, well, who knows? yeah. I mean, maybe the printer was a bad printer. Yeah. Know, you know. yeah because I if had you no have idea. good prints, just because you change the printer and nothing else, it's obviously the printer. And so now he's Could getting back into printing. Yeah. yeah. So it gave him the incentive to print again, and then it gave him the satisfaction of making good prints. Oh, yes. And it's so important for artists to make their own prints because the number one value for a print comes from the fact that it was made by the artist. Yes. And that's what a lot of students, when they first take our workshops, don't understand, is that making your own prints is a guarantee of value. Yes. Every photographer whose work has value was making their own prints. Or they were making prints with a printer, but with direct supervision. Not sending out to a lab and hoping that they do a good job, but directly talking to the printer, probably being with them in the darkroom or in the digital studio, and uh, instructing them on how you want the prints to be. My teacher in Paris, you know, Scott McClay, always said, if you're going to have somebody else print for you, you must be better than them. Yes. You can't have your printer make up for your lack of knowledge, for your lack of experience printing. That doesn't work that way. Right. It's okay to have somebody else print for you if you're too busy or if you do it that way, you know, that's your approach. But you must be better than the person that you hire to print your work. That's how Cartier-Bresson did it. You know, he had somebody print his work, but that person knew exactly what he wanted. He would supervise it, and he had printed himself, and he knew exactly what to ask. That's completely different from students that sign out and get prints and then are happy with them. Some of them are like, I've got some pretty good prints. And I have to explain to them that, well, yeah, a commercial printer is going to do their best to create some pretty good prints because it's a business. They don't want a return, and they want you to come back. And so they are going to use the right profile. They probably will make some adjustments to the print, and they'll make sure that they send you something that looks good. Yes. I mean, you remember the students we had here that had prints that are pretty good, And uh, I looked at them and I'm like, well, you know, I can see a few things that we can do, but it's not bad. And then we looked at his master files, what he had sent to the printer. And I was like, oh, my God, the printer changed everything in your file. Oh, yeah. He said the black point, the white point, all of these different points of contrast. He had adjusted. The color balance. Yeah. uh, And and he said, the student was like... Are you sure? I mean, I sent him my files. And you and said, look, I'll show you exactly what the printer yeah. did. I said, well, let's look at it on the monitor and let's look at the print next to it. And when we did that, it was night and day. Yes. I mean, the files that he had sent had been very, very, very much improved. They had been transformed. Yes. But the problem is that the student think, hmm, I'm a pretty good printer. Well, no, you're not a pretty good printer. You went to a lab 
that has a pretty good printer, <laughs> that has a good operator that knows what they are doing, that does their job and their business. They want you to come back and they don't want to return. So making your own prints is really the realization of where you are at in terms of your printing skills. And one thing that we can say about the prints that we got at the rendezvous is that everybody was a pretty good printer. Absolutely, yes. We had really good prints. I mean, of course, some of them are going to be better than others, but everybody had, I would say, a quality that would be just fine for a show, for an exhibition. I agree. And also, I wanted to mention during the print exchange that when we did it as a group, everyone would stand up, show the print that they were going to give to everybody, and maybe talk about it for like a minute or two. Some of them chose a print that was part of a project, and then others decided that they wanted to give everyone a print that they hadn't seen already. A something, new print, right. Yeah, a new print, something totally different. And so I just want to say that for the 2019 Rendezvous, that it doesn't have to be a landscape. If you do covered bridges. That was what one person did. You're more than welcome to give everyone a covered bridge. Or if you do a cityscape or any of these other types of art yeah. photography. Well, the person that did covered bridges did not give us a covered bridge. He actually had a yaka from White Sands. I think. He did. And he could very well have offered a covered bridge. Absolutely. And I think it would have been more appropriate. Actually. I was So maybe the guidelines that we had did not specify that, or maybe he felt that he had to bring a landscape like everybody else. I made it, I thought I made it perfectly clear that if you did, you know, different types of photography, that you were more than welcome yeah. to give that as a print. I even told people that, because some of them are doing painting now, that they were more than welcome to give everyone a print of a painting that they have done. Well, that's what you did. That's you what I did. A print yes. of a painting. I yeah. did. But uh, I, I thought I had made that clear, but... Well, you never know, you know, how people interpret directions. You know, they read it, and then they make up their own mind, and they decide on this course of action or that course of action. So you may have wanted to have a landscape as a gift, uh, as a exchange print, because... Uh, this is a landscape photography workshop. Right. So I mean, it can be a doorway, like in the barrio mm -hmm. or in Santa right. Fe. I mean, the image can be... We may what, have to just... Whatever you decide. Make that more clear next time. Yes. Because, I mean, there's no problem with what we chose this time, but there's no reason to not choose something just because you don't think it's a landscape. Yes. Yeah. And the print exchange is so important. But one thing that we had decided during the print exchange or the whole presentation section is that we would not engage in criticism. This was a presentation by each of them of their work, not a group critique. Oh, no. And so I did not uh, critique the work. You know, I commented on it in the sense of uh, what they said. And uh, we asked questions, you know, if we had uh, questions about what they said. But there was no criticism. It was not about what is good, what is requiring work, or what can be improved, what works, what doesn't work. It was about them showing their work and being proud of their work. Yes. And also, we discussed about asking higher level questions, not questions like, well, what type of paper is this printed on? What type of printer did you use? Mm -hmm. We were asking questions about their project or what do you see yourself doing next? 
we were trying to get to the difficult questions yes. because we wanted to go beyond what we hear as questions during beginning workshops, which is which paper did you use? Uh, which printer did you use? Uh, how is this mattered? What's the name of the mat? Do you use archival tape? Uh, all of that. And so that's fine as a beginning workshop situation, but with an advanced workshop where people are coming and have demonstrated good printing skills and uh, presented something that they have considered to be an achievement, I wanted them to go and ask the difficult questions. And those are more philosophical in nature, which is, for example, what is your vision for your work? How do you see your work progressing? What are you trying to say in your work? What kind of audience do you look for? What kind of issues do you have when people look at your work? What do you hear? You know, these kind of questions. Right. Even artistic techniques. Artistic some of techniques. them, because they would, you know, say what they did. And so they had questions about how they did uh, some artistic techniques. Sure. Yeah. Things that are personal, things that we wouldn't know if we did not have the artist present to explain it to us. Right. And yeah. how far off from the original raw file and then what they ended up with for some of them it was like completely different yeah yeah, what the original was and then what it was taken and that's always enlightening because you can see the mental progression well well, they called it a transformation you know a complete transformation the mental journey that we took starting with the original capture all the way to the final image Yes. Yeah. That's always very interesting. Oh, because it is. when you see just the final image, you don't always realize how far it is from the original capture. And there's no reason to show it. I mean, nobody needs to know the whole process. But uh, in that context, it explains a lot about the artist's inspiration, their way of thinking about photography, how they see reality. Right. You know how different they see reality, their own reality. It, it's a window onto their soul, you know. It's it's an opportunity to really understand what this person looks for, you know, right. what they see and what they want to show. That's the difference. And everyone was so attentive when each person came up to present the print that they were going to give to everybody. And everybody was thanking the person. It was very important for each participant to actually go around the room and hand give it to everybody one participant had actually did a limited edition just for the rendezvous with a certificate on the back side that he mm-hmm. he said you know i only did 15 prints mm-hmm. that's it right. you know numbered one to 15 yeah lots of pride <laughs> you know? and also lots of respect Yes. They they were very respectful of other participants. And thankful. thankful. And thankful. Yes. And we had decided that the print exchange would not be done everybody at the same time. We would do it one person at a time. And I think that that really was a good idea because we could have put all the prints on the table and then we all take one one. from each. each pile. No. But I did not want that that way. I wanted them to have a chance to actually share their print with more of a presentation, you know, and more many, time. Many of them, you know, and it was very short. They just simply said, this is the print that I chose and why. 
Right. You know, this is the one that I want to give to everybody, and this is the reason and, why. And some of them would take the whole pile and pass it around, you know, that is everybody takes one print. We are seated in a half circle mm -hmm. situation. And then some helped each other pass them around. And some of them wanted to give the print one by one to every participant. Yes. And then one person had somebody else actually give his friends. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. So that's like cooperation, you know. Yeah, or it's they all, were just helping each other. Yeah, wh you whatever know. technique works. I mean, however you want to do it, you know. But I think it was very important. It wasn't just uh, raise my print. It was something that we were proud of, yes. that we really wanted to emphasize. You know, yeah. it was really a gift. I think for a lot of them, it was. that we were giving to everybody. Yes, yeah. it's very meaningful. And, and I was very impressed at how meaningful it was for them. It was very yeah. meaningful for those giving, but also for those receiving. Yeah. And, uh, well, I, we all have a great collection of 17 do. prints. Well, yeah. <laughs> yeah. Not only that, but the group is much closer now together right. emotionally. I think it's a life-changing event that they have all gone through and that binds them together. Yes. I think they have that in common. They do. And I think that those that haven't participated in it are probably considered a little bit outsiders. Well, the good news is there is a way in, and that is to join us next year. Right. Well, many of the ones that were at the rendezvous this year are coming next year, mm. and uh, we also have other new people coming in mm. next year that are also alumni. But, you know, we only have two seats left. <laughs> well, as of today, which is yes. what, May 11th? May 11th. We only yeah. have two seats left. So if you want to go, you better be quick. Yeah. If you want to be in, you know, act yeah. now. But it's definitely an event that if you have taken a workshop with us before, you don't want to miss because it is a life-changing event. It and is. I'm not just saying that uh, to jazz it up. It's really what happened to the participants this year. Well, the next one's going to be in Bluff, Utah, and that is still Navajo land because when we go on that San Juan River, that's the border of uh, Navajo land, but also we're going to be going to some remote areas that are on Navajo land, so we're still going to be there. It's going to be just as exciting. I it mean, is. The, the distance between Bluff and Navajo land is, what, three miles? <laughs> you know, yeah. just cross the river, basically. And yes. the, one of the unique aspects of next year's rendezvous is that we will spend an entire day on the San Juan River with uh, a river-running company that we chartered for our group. Oh, yes, and we'll be doing loops again on we'll be, yeah. many dirt roads, and everybody will be carpooling. Carpooling, we had three to four people right. in an SUV, so we only had five vehicles behind us. It's important in order to go to some of the locations yes. because there's not much room. No, We there can't is not. take a lot of cars. Not even to, yeah. some areas didn't even have a lot of parking yeah. space. But the schedule we have for next year is just as exciting, it just is. as remote, and just as little known. And uh, again, we'll have the print presentation, we'll have the print exchange, and then we'll have the little known fieldwork locations. Just as exciting and uh, a different location so that we don't repeat ourselves. That's all. Oh, yeah, yeah. absolutely. We want to but, vary the pleasures. But the, yes, yes, but the landscape is just as beautiful. Well, Bluff is actually very little known. A lot of people go there, spend one night, and move on, but there is an enormous amount of things in Bluff uh, to the point where the people that live in Bluff, they don't want to leave because they keep exploring uh, the area. Oh, yes. And they realize that it's virtually endless. I mean... Bluff is actually a place where a lot of people that live in Chinle and work in Chinle move to. Yes, you know, that is true. When people decide to move away from Chinle, Bluff is a destination because it's uh, not on Navajo land, which means you can buy land, 
but it's just as good as Napa Land because there's probably less people actually in Bluff than in Chinle. Oh, yeah. I mean, Chinle has, what, 5,000 people? Bluff has, what, I don't even know if it's I think there's less. You know, a few less, hundred people, yeah. yeah. And right. when we say move, I mean, obviously, we're not talking about a large number of people moving there. No. But we've had several friends move to Bluff. And we actually considered moving to Bluff. And Bluff time. is more yeah. remote than Chinle. It's more remote. Well, there's less. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> Chinle has a grocery store. Oh, absolutely. You know, Bluff has a gas station. Well, Chinle has a bank. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. No, Bluff doesn't have a bank, doesn't have a, ga- a grocery store, doesn't have a general store, doesn't have any fast food, doesn't have a hardware store, has basically two gas stations and a couple of restaurants. Yes. And a couple of hotels. Coffee shop. Yeah, coffee we have shop. to have our coffee. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. You think Chinle is remote, try Bluff. Right? Yes. Yeah. But those locations are good for us because they allow the participants to experience a very remote area. Quiet. Quietude. But also experience nature as it was, without uh, all of the noise and uh, the traffic and uh, the insanity of big cities, oh, you know, and the tourists. There are no tourists. Tourists don't spend time where we go. And that's why the Navajos look at us and wave and don't quite understand what we're doing because the locations where we go or we went this year, tourists never go there. Right. We see other people, but they are locals. We are people that live in that area that uh, want to take a break from work and relax and enjoy nature, but... Oh, yeah. And we and we teach them that in these very small places in the middle of nowhere, don't hesitate to go to the truck that's selling tamales or burritos or whatever. Because and I tell them you're never going to get sick on Navajo food, traditional Navajo food. Don't be afraid to just pull up and buy tamales or burritos or whatever it is that they're selling, you know, kneel down bread. Oh, I love kneel down bread. (laughs) Yeah, we buy it, we eat it, yeah, and, right. and we are we are the better for it. Yes, <laughs> yeah, and we stopped on the way back and bought and some one Navajo time burritos. we stopped yeah. and uh, bought watermelon. Remember, it was mm. a really hot day, and everybody's like, "What are we doing?" I said, "You know, we're going to all stop over there. And we're going to buy a piece of watermelon mm. because it is so hot, mm. and we need to be hydrated." Yeah. <laughs> it was the best watermelon I think I had ever had. I still remember it. Yeah. <laughs> It and was it, a dollar a slice. Was it a dollar a slice? A dollar I was a slice. Say, yeah, it's, yeah. It's, it's almost free. Yeah. And just the fact that somebody can go and cut a watermelon in pieces and slices and then wait. Uh, and, and that we come upon the scene and we get some, it's just uh, very pleasurable. Oh, it is. Yeah. It is. It's fun. It's a it's lot of fun. life at its simplest and uh, at its best. Mm-hmm. You know, the best pleasures are the simplest pleasures very often. Oh, I agree. And when you come from big towns and jobs that have a lot of responsibilities and jobs that have a lot of stress. I mean, a lot of participants told us during this event that uh, they have a lot of stress in their job and they need to come to these events to release that stress, to let it go. Yes, and there was a number of them that were turning off their work phones. Right, yeah, some can, some cannot, but, you know, in any case, there's not that much coverage anyway in those areas. I know. (laughs) Even if you don't turn it off, you're not going to be bothered much. But the important thing is that they all say, for the most part, that they really need these uh, times uh, on Navajo land or out there in the middle of nowhere to let go of all the stress, to, to relax. Oh, yeah. Because their jobs have a lot of pressure, a lot of stress, a lot of responsibilities, and they just can't get away from it. Well, some of them are now posting photos on your workshop group page on Facebook, and people are asking, you know, 
where are you? Yeah. And then some of them are made comments like, uh, it looks like you have gone in the past, that this is the past, you know, because we were in such remote areas. Right. They're like, it's like you've gone back in time or something. Hmm. Yeah. It's really interesting. And they were saying, no, I'm just in a very remote area in the Navajo land. <laughs> mm. I've had that feeling at times too. You're going back into the past because there's no point of reference. There's Correct. no telephone wire. There is no. If you lose sight of your car, you know, if you walk and you lose sight of the car that you used to get there, there's nothing to remind you of where you are. No, there's not because there's no yeah. uh, electrical lines or Houses, telephones people, lines or water, there's running no water. Yeah, there's nothing. Yeah. And I had that feeling very often that I was uh, stepping out of time, but I was back in some other time. You know, mm -hmm. it's, it's a weird feeling. It doesn't last long, but it happens in most places. It does, yeah. yeah. And it's a good thing because we realize that at one point, that's how the world was. Yes. Quiet, nobody, no power lines, no cars, no machines, just uh, trees and rocks and sand and light. Oh, <laughs> you know? beautiful light. Yeah. And yeah, it's beautiful. It's beautiful. I mean, light. you know, a lot of what we do when we go out there is engage in the admiration of stone and light. Mm -hmm. That's what we are looking at. Yes. Is, the play of light on stone, the colors, the shapes, uh, the patterns, you know, the variation of tonalities. And uh, it's purely aesthetic. It's an aesthetic experience. But it, it goes is. beyond that because there is a part of the experience that cannot be represented in photographs. And that's the emotional aspect, what we feel when we are there, you know, yes. what we experience when we are there. And a lot of that is nonverbal. You can't really describe it. It's You have to be there, mm -hmm. you know. And it, it does eventually play a role when you process the photographs, when you adjust the colors, the contrast, the saturation, the tonality, all of that, the color harmony. But you have to be there to really experience that first place. And for a lot of them, I think uh, sometimes that experience is just as important as uh, the photograph that we bring back. Oh, yes, definitely. Just as valuable. They are very happy to bring back great photographs and make fantastic prints from them. But they are also very happy to have been there and have had that experience. Yes, I agree. Yeah, yeah. it's very meaningful. Yeah, because these yeah. are experiences that you can't have anywhere else. Mm -hmm. You have to go to a place that is totally remote. I mean, you go to the Grand Canyon, and unless you go to the bottom, and again, that would have to be at the bottom where it's not touristic, you know, go down uh, the Butcher Trail, for example, right. not go down to Phantom Ranch because there's a lot of people down there. Unless you go to a very remote area, you're never going to be alone. Right. You're never going to be by yourself. There's always going to be another tourist, another tour bus, another visitor center, another road, another guide, you know, somebody to tell you what to do, you know, a ranger, you know, don't build uh, fires, uh, don't carry guns, don't <laughs> stay more than 15 days, no pets. Uh, I mean, there's all these rules, right? Right. And where we take them, there is no rules. It doesn't mean we do whatever, we are under control, but, um, you know, we are left to ourselves. And that's very, very unique, and it's getting so difficult to have an experience. It is. I agree. It's very valuable, very meaningful and, and rare. It's valuable because it's rare, because it's hard to find. So is there anything else that you wanted to say before we close or I think end we this covered podcast? It very well. And I think we should just um, remind everybody that uh, we will have the rendezvous again next year, 2019, but it's in Bluff, Utah. And that uh, we have it open to 15 people again. With us. 16. 
16 people plus us. Plus us, so and, total of 18. And that we have two seats left as of uh, right now, which is May 11th. Yes. <laughs> and this podcast will be published in a couple of days, so by then, who knows, right? So it may be sold out, it may not. So if you are interested in uh, joining us and you have attended a workshop with us, because this is only open to alumni, to participants from previous workshops, Email us or just go to the link uh, on my workshop page and register immediately for the 2019 rendezvous. And uh, the fee includes the full day river rafting trip. You know, that's included in the fee of the workshop. Yes. Catered, uh, we'll have lunch on the river and we'll have guides to interpret uh, the ruins and the rock art and uh, the landscape that we're on. It's an all-day affair from it's 8 to 5. Affair, yeah. Yeah. yeah, 8 to 5 And PM. I think that's going to do a lot to bond the group uh, together again. Because here, we each had uh, individual cars. So even though we traveled in five cars, you know, five cars, three or four people per car, here we're going to be all on the same raft. You know, and I think we'll have probably two or three rafts because we're not that big. But we'll have... Uh, the group all together on the river. Oh, yes. And that's going to be a very different and maybe even more intimate experience, more bonding experience. Mm -hmm. Yeah, that's going to be great. So if you want to sign up, uh, do that now. Either go to the link or email us. And uh, the link is at the top of the podcast. And if you don't see it, it's uh, beautiful-landscape.com or alan, A-L-A-I-N, brio, B-R-I-O-T, dot com. And my email is alan at beautifullandscape.com. And we look forward to seeing you next year on the 2019 Rendezvous. Thank you for listening. Thank you.